freezing. I got soft since I just stopped working outside. Oh, that'll wake you up. Yeah, that was awesome worship. Yeah, your love is real. Yeah, yeah, God's love's awesome actually. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray right now, I bind any spirit that is stopping anyone from receiving the word this morning. I bind any spirit that is giving anyone trouble in their mind. You have no right and no authority in this place because this is the house of God, so you have to flee and cease and desist in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray that everyone's heart is open to receive your word, to receive the truth, and to receive revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, how are we all doing this morning? Good. God is good. Yeah, that's right, he is. That's actually uh, quite a big revelation that, eh, if you can get hold of it. God is actually good, really good. There is no other, you can't even define his goodness, it's on another level. That's why no one is good. That's why we need Jesus. Cool, so the title of my message is The Spirit of Truth. And I did preach a message similar to this a few years ago, but this, so you could say this is like a part two almost. So take it as you will. Anyway, I will begin with my opening scripture, which is John 8, verse 31 to 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we've all heard that scripture a few times, have we not? You know, the funny thing about truth, it usually takes someone to tell it. Otherwise, it ain't truth. You need to hear it. And the truth is usually confronting. It's always challenging because it challenges the narrative you've lived in all your life. But, that, you know, it's actually, that's the job of a Christian is to tell the truth, the real truth. That's all we've got to do. It's actually quite, don't know what the word is, but if you know the truth and don't speak the truth, then what use are you being? What's the point of knowing the truth if you can't spread it? It's not up to us how people react to the truth. Our job's just to tell it. It's up to the other person what they do with that. And sometimes some people need to hear the truth quite a few times from different people till it finally settles in. Some people can hear it straight away and boom, they get saved. I don't know why that is, it's just the way it is, but seed sowing, eh? And usually the truth... Well, actually, the truth is always hidden unless someone tells it. But it's always hidden no matter what it is because the truth will always reveal the enemy's true intentions. Always. The truth will always challenge that authority when it's revealed. Because once you know something, you know. It, that thing had no longer has effect. You see, the truth will make you see how a broken system will use lies to control you. To keep you dumbed down and asleep. And the devil will tell you lies to keep you in darkness, constantly. That's all he does. That's the only power he has, if you can call it that. You know, as the scripture says, the truth, shall, the truth will set you free. From what? What does the truth set you free from? Well, it sets you free from control, oppression, depression, sickness, fear, darkness, lies, deception. It sets you free from it all. It sets you free from the hold of this world. Because let's face it, things aren't that great in the world, are they? They're not perfect, but God is. And when you're in the world, you don't see the truth. 
you're lied to on a constant basis. And it's purely there to control you, to divide you. Have you noticed the division lately? It's everywhere. We make sure the cell phones are turned off, please. It's actually quite distracting. And it's not respectful to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. So like I said, when you're free, you see things different. You can't be controlled. You become unpredictable. You become a light shining to others, showing the way out. You actually become a threat to a broken system that enslaves humanity. You're a threat. See, as Christians, we bear witness to the truth. When you know the truth, you have a responsibility to bear witness. We are it. We are the ones to tell the world about God and what he has done for us all. That's it. The buck stops with us. That's our job, to tell the truth. John 18, 37. Now this is when Jesus was captured and he's in the process of heading up to the cross. And so Pontius Pilate says to him, Are you king then? And Jesus answers, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So if you know the truth, you hear the Lord's voice. So how well do you know the truth? Have you walked away from it? Forgotten it? Or have you kind of put it to the side? Because the truth is confronting, eh? It confront, confronts yourself as well. You know, I'll give an example. A lot of Christians fall away because of happiness. They want to be happy and who doesn't? We all want to be happy and God wants you to be happy. But when you pursue happiness over your walk with God, you've gone totally off the track. Because the one thing about happiness is it's fleeting. It doesn't last. You're only happy for so long and then you're like, great, I'm not happy anymore. Now what have I got to do? I'll divorce this person, I'll go marry this person. Happens all the time in the world, eh? How many people are divorced is like normal now? Right. It is. It shouldn't be. People have forgotten what it means to take a vow. Your vows shouldn't be taken lightly. It's a vow between you and your wife and God. That's why marriage is sacred, and that's why the world's destroying marriage. Take it seriously. Can I just get everyone right now, just... I'm sure all of us, or even if you haven't, don't worry about this, but for those who have, those that are Christians, I want you to go and find that place, that place that God's always at. And what I mean by that, it actually reminded me of something I was reading the other day. You know, Jacob, he had a place that he met God, and he built a memorial there, he built an altar. And he, he called it the place of God, the house of God. That was the place. So he knew, you know, every time you went there, that was where God was. So you, we all have that place where we met God. Go back there. Just close your eyes. Go back to where you met God. Now you're in your heart. That's your place where God's at. Cool. Get you to open your eyes now. That's where we've got to live. I'll get to that soon.
So as a believer and because I believe in Jesus, therefore I bear witness to the truth that is in me. I am set free from the control darkness had over me. I am seen as a threat by darkness because I am a shining light. I am awake and I am on the side of truth and grace. Jesus is my Lord and demons have to flee. The sick and the broken hearted are healed and fear evaporates in my presence. When I turn up, God turns up. I've just described every believer in this room. That's the power we carry. That's the effectiveness we actually have. The truth is we haven't grasped it. We don't realize it. The Bible points to how effective we are. It's through the whole New Testament. Paul talks about our position in Christ. It's so much bigger than I can't even find the words to describe it. But it's big. So it makes sense that the devil would attack you all the time, tell you lies upon lies, to get you to walk away, to fall asleep. Because if you're asleep, you're not a threat anymore. You're not leading others to the truth. Your lights become dim. You're no longer effective. And if you're no longer effective, he'll leave you alone because he's happy. You're not spreading the truth. It's strange how we find it easy to hear from the devil, and you might say, well, I don't hear from the devil. Well, I'll tell you, you do. You just don't realize it. Those negative thoughts in your head, those thoughts that tell you that you're no good, those thoughts that tell you, you know, you're worthless, God doesn't really love you, or you're not really saved, (laughs) those are lies straight from the pit of hell. They're not from you. You might think they're from you, but they're not. You weren't born that way. You weren't designed to think like that. It's called living in your head. You're not going to hear God living in your head. You're just going to hear lies. And the only way to counter that is to recognize it's a lie. And, and you, you, you say, that's a lie, and it goes away. Because you've called it out. It doesn't argue. There's no argument going on. You've just called it out. So you have a choice. You can either realize it's a lie and, and deal with it, or get stuck in the mud and get down in the deeper, deep, dark hole. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, and we've all heard this scripture before, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Renew your mind. How do we renew our mind? Yep. We renew our mind by feeding on the Word and being guided by the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's impossible to know the truth without the Holy Spirit. So how are we guided by the Holy Spirit? A good place to start is in your heart, where I just got everyone to go to. God lives in our heart. It's also where the devil cannot go. He cannot go where God is. He can't be in the presence of God. So you go to that place, the devil flees. He has no power of you. He's not even, you shouldn't even give him a second thought. It's just a waste of time. Live in that place. Make a memorial of that place. What I mean by that is somewhere to remember daily. So this is where we have to learn to live. 
This is where we have to learn to know his voice because the Bible says the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears the Father speak. He doesn't have his own mind. He doesn't have his own opinion. He will not tell you his opinion or his mind. He only speaks what the Father speaks. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it is as if God is speaking to you directly. I like this scripture in 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 12. It's a gives you an idea of what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like, looks like. And he says, Then he said, Go out and stand on a mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. Still small voice. It's really funny, you know, God's glory and his presence and all what is good about God is not a natural disaster, yet the world blames him. They call it an act of God. The only act God did was on the cross, an act of love. That's the truth. It's a blimmin' lie. It's a lie that convinces people, so they blame God for everything. Oh, why are these people dying? Why are these children getting hurt? Well, you, you, you don't know the truth. You don't know God then. Because God doesn't force himself and God does not make anyone do anything. God lets us make our own decisions and choices. If you want to make a change in the world, then believe in God and be co-laborers with him. Because that's what God wants. It, it's us. It's us that makes the difference. He's using us. So it's really easy to sit back and blame God. Why didn't you do something? Well, why didn't you do something? Did you pray? Did you at least pray? Yeah. You know, we can only, as long as we put our faith in God and do what we know is best, then that we've done our job. You know, we can pray for someone to be healed and have as much faith as we want in it, and that's where it is. It's up to God. You know, we're co-laborers. But stop blaming God for things. You've got to understand he gave us free will. That's what free will means. A choice. Now how can it be free will if he intervenes? It's one of the greatest gifts he gave us. Otherwise we'd just be human robots. Which is what the world wants. They want us to be robots. They want to control you. They want to say do this and do that. Or don't do that. That's not how God operates. He operates out of love. The world operates out of fear. Look what happened to COVID. Look at the damage it's done. These lockdowns have done lasting damage. And they won't even admit they're wrong. They are wrong. All the studies are coming out now. Masks were wrong. The vaccine was wrong. It's been proven. And they're hiding. They're trying to hold the truth back. But it's coming. It really is. So you just hold lies. I don't trust the world. Don't trust it. Trust the Spirit inside you, the Holy Spirit. So yeah, this is a revelation of how God talks to us. And yet, we live in a very noisy, busy world. I'm, like I said before this morning, I'm busier than I've ever been in my life. And that's the point. Get you so busy you can't focus on God. You know, there's all sorts of technology and information. It's coming at us at a million miles an hour 24-7. It's available 24-7. We can communicate across the world. We've never been able to communicate. And you know what? Social media, 
whether it's good or bad, it's just full of opinions and arguments is all it is. And there's actually a, a quite a demonic spirit about it. Oh, I've experienced it myself. You see people like this at a playground. They're not watching their kids play. People on the trains. I've nearly run over people because they're walking across the road like this. And then when you beep the horn, they just go... They don't even care about themselves. They're just more worried about what someone is saying about them or, you know? You've got to remember that there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's truths, misinformation, lies. It's all intertwined and it's a big psyop to confuse you, to keep you divided, to keep you dumbed down so you don't see the truth. Because where's God in all of that? We've got to wake up to the fact that technology is not as good as we think it is. I don't think it is. I think there's a spirit behind it. I mean, they're asking the AI now to write a new Bible. Preachers. There are some preachers who use AI to write their messages for them. How's the Holy Spirit in that? You've got to wake up. Stop sleeping. We don't have time for it anymore. It's all designed to drown out God's voice, to program fear and control over your mind and soul. It's to get us looking there so we're not looking over here. What's going on over here? When you know the truth and when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you see the entire picture. You see it all. If you think about it right now in the world, the only time people actually have God in their lives is if they attend church, and that's even if they attend and sometimes even if you do attend, your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about all this other stuff, and which, I mean, we've all experienced that. That's the point. When you live in your head, you live in your head. You've got to learn to walk through these doors and go, oh, I need to go down. Really, we should be in that place 24-7. We should practice it. If we want to be effective in the world, we can't be effective if we're not being led by the Holy Spirit ourselves. If we're not hearing from God, how can we be effective? There's no point getting angry and depressed about it. It's because we're not doing something about it. We've got, to, we've got to face the truth to ourselves as well. What are we doing about it? Am I making an effort? I don't know about you, but there's so much stuff here for us. I want, I want all of us to be on another level that it's just unbelievable. Can you imagine the impact we'd have on this community? I don't care what that church is doing down the road. Who cares? That's them. This is us. We've got our own vision. Are you with me? I'm not telling people off. Like we all have, we're all we're not perfect. It's just that we've got to make the right choices now. And the right choices is always the hardest choice because it usually comes with sacrifice. Maybe it means uh, you need to get off social media. Maybe it means turn the TV off. See, every generation's had something. It's interesting. I was talking to Pastor Peter about it and Pastor Lisa afterwards. My generation had the TV and video games. The amount of hours I spent on video games, eh? But you were getting programmed right from the beginning because you just, you're feeding your spirit subconsciously. But now our kids these days, I've seen three-year-olds, their parents just put them on an iPad because they can't be bothered dealing with them. Wow, what kind of future do they have from that? If all they know now is an iPad. Do they even, some, some kids don't even know how to write. Just, you know, the basics. 
So it's just like you're walking around in the dark, not seeing what's really going on and missing out on your calling. I don't want to miss out on my calling. I want to pursue it. Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. See, God is shining his light and exposing what has been hidden. That's why the world's gone completely bonkers. Because the glory of God is increasingly growing. That's why things are manifesting, because demons can't deal with it. The darkness can't hide from light. So things are being revealed. People are starting to see what's really going on behind the doors. It's only getting stronger. It's just which side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of darkness or the side of light? The side of light. And you don't want to be stuck in the middle either. Having one foot in the light and one foot in the darkness, that won't last too much longer because you'll end up, you'll have to make a choice. You can't have, you can't serve, Jesus says you can't serve two masters because one will love the other and one will hate the other. So you better make a decision. Don't have one foot in the world and one foot in church. Doesn't work. Been there, tried that. There is a, an awakening happening, a worldwide awakening. It's been happening for a few years, but now it's accelerating, like I said, because of God's glory. Yet people are starting to see corruption on another level, but it's bigger than that. It's, they're going to get to the point where everyone's going to get to the point. They're going to see that there's a big spiritual battle going on, and people are starting. And I've spoken to people who aren't even Christians who are now saying things like, seems like there's a battle between good and evil. See, the line's getting drawn. There's no grey area anymore. People are waking up to the fact that there's a battle going on between good and evil on a scale they would never comprehend. There is a battle between God and Satan, but God's already won. It's Satan that's, that's trying to battle because he knows his, his time is done. He's trying everything. It doesn't matter what he does. We all know how it ends. He knows how it ends. That's why he's freaking out. He's the one full of fear, not us. He's scared of us. I'm not scared of him. No more. See, if you listen to the TV, the media, or social media, all you're going to do is go back to sleep. It does. It's like, a, it's just like I said, there's a spirit behind it. It, it, it captures you, so you just, that's all your world exists in, this little thing on the phone. You know, I'm not, you know, I know we can use technology for good things, but I'm specific, specifically having a go at social media and news and all that, because right now that's where everyone's attention's captured at the moment. They're not even looking at their Bibles anymore. I mean, God's been taken out of everything. That's the whole plan. I, I, I grew up not as a Christian, but we had Bible study at my school. It was, it was a compulsory subject. There was no fight or protests about it. It was just, it is what it was. But now, you, now people get arrested for preaching the word on the street. That just shows you things are getting close. You know, it's one lie, one of the lies consistently told the enemy is, how can you be a child of God? Because the Bible says we're a child of God. We, we might have that knowledge, but... Do we believe it? Do you believe you're actually a child of God? Because you are. The Word says you are. God says you are. But do you believe it? Is it truth to you yet? 
1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. See, the whole world's under the control of the evil one. We're not under that control because we're, we're under Jesus. We're under his authority. We're his kids. We're God's kids. So we're not part of that control anymore. We're awake. You see, as children of God, we have the ability to see truth and not be fooled. Some people call that intuition or a gut feeling, but for us, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got to be careful what you listen to, too, but the Holy Spirit will guide you out of that if you're listening to Him. Uh, like when you, it's like people. When you meet someone, you get that inkling on the back of your head or something in the pit of your stomach. It's a check. It's the Holy Spirit saying, beware. And then you've got to, or it's, you know, or it's an impression. I, I sometimes get it with people, and I've had it with a couple of people where I've gone to the Holy Spirit. How can that be? Because like, they're like seen as this, and there's no way. And if I say anything about this person, they're not going to believe me. And then a few years later, it pans out, and I'm like, I didn't listen. So I've learned to trust the Holy Spirit now when he gives me that impression about someone. It's happened every time. I've questioned it. We've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. He, he warns you for a certain reason, eh? If we go to John 16, 13, 15, now I, like, I really, really like this scripture. I was, I've read this before, but I didn't realize how much promise was in this scripture. It says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. It's quite a, there's a lot, there's a few promises in that scripture. I never noticed it before, but first of all, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit as what? The Spirit of truth. So it lives in you. The truth lives in you. And it will guide you. So the first thing he says is he will guide you into all truth, which I've already talked about. That's all truth. Nothing can be hidden from you if you're listening. All truth. He will tell you things to come. He will encourage you about your future. He will show you snapshots. It's not fortune telling, it's encouragement. He'll give, I, remember, I remember years and years ago, actually before... Uh, I think I might have just been married with Amy and we didn't have kids, but I remember I never even told Amy this. And I was working with Brent somewhere and I just, out of nowhere, I had this visualized picture with me and Amy and two little girls before we even had Evie. I never told Amy. Because <laughs> I just thought I'd, I knew it was from God, but I didn't know what to do with it. But it was just encouraging me that there's a future. I didn't know we were going to have two kids, and let alone two girls. The good thing about that is why, the Holy, why would the Holy Spirit show me something like that? Well, maybe it's saying you're on the right track. I've got a future for you, for all of us. Then the last one he says in verse 15, now this one took the cake for me because it says, all things that the Father has are mine. So God gave Jesus all things. And Jesus saying they are mine. 
Therefore I said, so he's commanded the Holy Spirit, I will take of mine and declare it to you. So he's told the Holy Spirit, everything I've been given by my Father, I want you to declare it to you. You know how big that is? It's not, oh, I only give them, just give them the ability to do that. Just, just a little bit. I don't want them to have, you know, like what I've got. No, Jesus says, everything that is mine, give to them, declare it to them. That's huge. We should dwell on that. We should find the truth in that. And that's why the devil attacks the church so much, why he discredits it, twists God's words, anything to cause unbelief, fear and division, spread fake news to prevent people from hearing the truth, receiving the skiff, receiving the Holy Spirit of truth. He doesn't want you knowing this because it makes you dangerous to him. It gives you victory in your life. We all want victory. Aren't you sick of the way things are? We've got it. Just do something about it. We've got to stop sitting down. We've got to stop being seat warmers. Talking to myself too. You know, recently, uh, you know, God, God's a God of restoration, eh? All right, and I've been praying for restoration with, with my family because I'm pretty much really the only Christian out of my immediate family. And I've been, and, and my parents have split up. Okay, I haven't not made this broadcast, but they split up a few years ago, which was a shock to all of us because they've been married for so long. And so I've been praying for restoration, but I've also, I never really had a good relationship with my dad at all. And I've prayed for restoration, and sometimes we want restoration now because it hurts. But God has his way, he has his timing. And sometimes we're not ready to hear things or... We're not ready to forgive. But the thing that led to restoration between me and my dad was God and it was through forgiveness. I had to let go. I had to forgive. I saw my dad was hurting. He needed love. I'm not going to go into his history, but both my parents have had one of the hardest upbringings. I've never, I've, I've, I didn't even realize how hard their lives have been. Extremely hard. And it's a shame they didn't deal with it earlier on, but it's the reason they've split. And so both, I've been praying for my, my parents to be saved and my dad got saved last week. You know? And that wasn't through me preaching the gospel. It was kind of living it by, through forgiveness. Because he'll be thinking, how come my son can forgive me for what I've done to... Because, you know, I don't want him leaving my mum. But I've had to show forgiveness. I've had to show love. I've had to allow my dad into the family when no one else, because the other family won't let him in. I'm the only one that's been talking to my dad. But he's saved. That's all that matters. Now it's my mum and the rest of my family. But you know, restoration. God is into the, the business of restoration. We are, he, he restores us when we're saved. So I just encourage you, if that's something you're going through or wanting, just keep believing God and thanking for it. But also look at yourself. Start living the way Jesus did. Start living the forgiveness. Start living the love of God and you watch things change. Have a different attitude about things. Don't get angry about the situation. Let it go. Let God take over. Just be the light in their life. 
Sometimes we just want to convince someone to change, but you can't. Just lead them out through the light. Let your light shine. They will see it. They will see it every time. Let them see it. You don't need to convince them. So I don't know who that's for, but that's some encouragement. You know, even, the, even in church, the truth is covered up. And I'm not pointing out our church or a specific church, but even the church has played a part in it. You know, for years they didn't believe in healing and righteousness, and every time it came out there was a fight because it's been hidden for hundreds of years. But I'll give you one example of like what I like to do sometimes when I'm looking at a topic. I like to see what other people are saying about it. And uh, so I found this, and I don't just listen to anyone, but this time I did. I thought, ah, oh, I'm just interested to see what he's saying. I listened to him for five minutes and I turned it off. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And this is a guy talking to a church full of thousands of people. And he started talking about the spirit of truth, which was the ironic thing because he was telling a lie. And these people were believing it and he believes it. He believes that the, he called it the revolutionary gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues and prophecy are no longer needed and have passed. And I went, excuse me? Really? He goes, oh, I do believe in the Holy Spirit, but he was making it out like he went to another level and I'm, you know, we're at this level. And he started preparing the Pentecostals and the Word of Faith and the Baptists about how we have to muster up the Holy Spirit and all that and speak in tongues and that. And I'm like, well, you know what? The Holy Spirit will bring things to remembrance. And because if you read the Word and come to church, that's what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm giving you the helper so he will bring remembrance of the teachings I've given you. It works the same way for us. But if you don't read your Bible and you don't know God, how can he bring remembrance to you? So the Holy Spirit will remembrance to me. He goes, remember what Paul said, that he prays in tongues more than anyone else. Remember what the Bible says, to stir up the gift within you. That's not mustering up the Holy Spirit. We do have a gift. We all have a gift, and sometimes we need to stir it up. That's completely different. I just, I just think the church needs to stop attacking each other. We've got to come together if we want to be more effective, eh? I don't care what denomination you are, but we've really got to get these false doctrines out of the church and really come together. Get back to basics. You know, go back to Christian 101. What I mean by that is every believer in here should understand what righteousness means to them. That is your starting point. And I think anyone that becomes a new believer should, that's the first revelation they should get onto is God's righteousness because it deals with condemnation, it deals with your position, it's, and it deals with the presence of God. 1 John 4, 6 says, uh, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Like I said, so you will know the spirit of error. This guy was in, in the spirit of error, and I knew it. So I turned it off. But man, the whole church was eating it up. So if you don't know your word and you're not listening to the spirit of truth, you're going to get deceived like that. And then what? It's going to be harder for you to come out of that. So don't just listen to anyone. Don't even listen to me. If something's telling you it's not right, go, go and check it out. If you hear something not right up here, go and talk to the person, talk to a leader or pastor or someone you look up to and go and look at it. Because sometimes it might just be the Holy Spirit wanting you to look deeper into that revelation as well. So be obedient. You know, we all know deep down inside when something isn't right, eh? 
you know. I'm sure a lot of us can feel something isn't right in the atmosphere at the moment. If you really think about it, if you get all the garbage away, you know, we all know something in the background is happening, something big is happening. You know when you hear something on the news or social media, you go, oh, that doesn't sound quite right. So we have the ability, we all have the ability to do it. I mean, we also have a brain and God gave us a brain to use. We do have logical thinking. So when you know, for example, if you see a government making policy decisions and legislation behind closed doors without us knowing what's in it, something's clearly not right, eh? Yeah. But yet, we're so dumbed down with everything, we don't even question it. Because that's what happened through the lockdowns. That happened. There was only one person in Parliament who tried to raise the alarm bells on that, but we, everyone ignored it. So who knows what's been passed? We don't know. So like I said, if something doesn't sound right, it's probably not right. Go and speak to your pastor or leader. Get clarification on the matter. If it doesn't match up, it's a lot of it's common sense. Use, your, use the Bible. So I just want to change tact a little bit. I want to talk about knowledge. You know, you can have the spirit of truth, but you need the knowledge, and the spirit of truth will guide you through that knowledge and confirm that knowledge and, and open that knowledge and illuminate it. I'll give you an example. Righteousness, like I've been talking about this year. I, I had the knowledge of righteousness. I knew what it meant. I thought I had a revelation on it. But there was one night where it was like a huge light bulb that just illuminated this whole revelation. And I went, wow. And it opened the door to God's love. I had the knowledge, but I was finally listening to the Holy Spirit. And he led me there. Sometimes it takes time. It doesn't always happen straight away. Sometimes he wants you to dig for it. Put some sweat and, you know, into it. Get it digging. Seek the kingdom first, remember? Seeking is actually an action, eh? So Paul the Apostle is a prime example of being led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. He revealed so much about what God has done on our behalf. Eh? He wrote the New Testament effectively. We wouldn't know anything about righteousness, about grace, about any of the stuff, our position in Christ. It was for, because of Paul. He was totally led by the Spirit of Truth. It wasn't the other apostles who spent time with Jesus. Paul did. Paul the murderer. The biggest sinner of us all. God turned him around and look what he used him for. So we are very blessed as believers because we have these truths written here. We don't have to go looking for them. They're here. The knowledge is here. And we have the spirit of truth within us. This is whether you're seeking it, trying to understand it, focus on it. You see, we use the Holy Spirit will enlighten and guide us through it as we're reading and listening to it, eh? So let's look at an example where Paul was playing his part, leading a church into a greater revelation through truth. Now understand that these believers had a disadvantage. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have these teachings. They relied on people like Paul, the apostles, to preach to them. The Bible was still being written. Well, it hasn't even started being written, but this was all playing out. So and if we go to Ephesians 1, 15, 22, 
This is Paul praying for spiritual wisdom over the church of Ephesus. Therefore I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but that also which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. First, Paul prayed that God would give the Ephesian believers a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I remember reading a Kenneth e. Hagen book, and you know, he talked about this scripture. He focused on that scripture, read it, recited it, meditated on it for six months before he started getting a revelation of it. Seek and dig. Evidently, receiving Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't automatically give us this revelation. If it did, Paul would not have been making this request. So that's the point. We always, when we all get saved, we get enlightened to that salvation, but it's up to us to keep going now, walk in it. Go see how deep the rabbit hole goes with it. I made the mistake of leaving it there for years. It got me nowhere, I can tell you that. In fact, it got me questioning God. So prompted by the Holy Spirit, Paul prayed that the church of Ephesus would come to know three things. And these are definitely relevant for us as well. First, Paul prayed to be, that the believers would know the hope of their calling. You know, hope is the assurance and confident expectation of your future. God wants us to have a confident expectation of what lies ahead for us both in this world and eternity. You know, the final hope of a Christian in this life is, a, is the blessed appearing of our Lord Jesus and spending eternity with him. Secondly, Paul prayed that the Ephesians would know the riches of his glory of God's inheritance in the saints. You know, our Father paid a terrific, uh, terrific price for us each. The minute we accept Jesus, we became God's property. We became his own. We have been purchased back by our creator. We are his inheritance. You know, God wants to produce in us a masterpiece of faith, a holy character. He wants us to make us like himself. We must realize that we are very valuable to God. We are valuable. Look what he gave up. Look what he's given us. How can it not show you that? Third, Paul prayed that they would know the power that was available to those who believe. There's only one basic requirement for having God's power available in our lives, and that requirement is what? Believing. That's it. I've said this before. Jesus would say, only believe. That's the only requirement. Believe. God's power is available every time we believe. Consider for a moment it's available right now, which it is, 
which is in us, you know that's the same power that rose Jesus' dead body from the dead and took him out of the tomb and took him to the presence of God. That's the same power that lives in you right now. Do we even comprehend that? Is it too much? We weren't born to be weak, eh? We were born to be more, con- more than conquerors. We're victorious. That's why we have the armor of God. God's given us all the tools. He's equipped us with everything we need. The problem is we just don't realize it. You've got to get digging. You know, that same power is available to every one of us that believe. There's no one special. You don't have to be the Pope to be the only one to hear from God. What a load of rubbish. Look how much that's deceived people. We can all hear from God. Yes, we do need leaders because the church has been set up that way. We do need a pastor. We need to be guided through our pastor. We need to be accountable to our pastor and to our leaders and so on. You know that when you dishonor, you know that we dishonor each other when you turn up late because you're saying my time is more important than your time? Do you know that's dishonouring? Honour needs to be restored, eh? It's dishonouring to the pastor who spends countless hours in time and ultimately when you dishonour the pastor or you dishonour your fellow brother or sister, you dishonour God. That's how it works. You might not like it, but that's the truth. You might not like the truth, but truth is truth. I'm not condemning anyone. It's just a fact. We've got to, we've got to start changing things because things are, you know, look around. We've all got to change. There's another level for us. And yes, it's painful to get to that, but you've got to face some truth to get there, don't you? You know, there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about that we are seated with Christ and the enemy is our footstool. I really like that scripture because it gives me a picture of where we actually sit in God. Actually, I'll use Gordon again. I used him this morning. Can I get you to come sit here, Gordon? Or here or whatever? Yeah. So Gordon's going to be Jesus sitting in the heavenly places. This is what the scripture says. So does the scripture say I seat above Jesus? Am I seated above him? No. Am I seated below him? No, he says, I'm seated with him. I'm on the same level. He's still my king, and I still bow down to my king, but the ability he has given us an authority, I am seated with him, and my enemy is down there. Thanks, Gordon. It says your enemy is your footstool. You know what a footstool is? You rest your feet on it. That's the attitude. He has no power. He doesn't. It's time to really start living the life God's given us, eh? So we're looking down at Satan. You know, we will reign in this life as a king because you have this truth. The spirit of truth will lead us there if you're willing. If you still don't understand that scripture, go and meditate on it. Go study it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into more truth. I always find when you get a revelation of a scripture, it always opens up bigger to other things. It's always bigger than it looks because God's big God. 
John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The truth is, we are like Jesus in the world. We have the ability to do greater works, which Jesus declared to anyone who believes. He prophesied that. You've got to understand, Jesus only was, his ministry was only three years. We're here for a lifetime, so of course we're going to do greater works. He prophesied that over us. And it's interesting, Jesus' ministry didn't really kick off until when he received the Holy Spirit. So even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He relied on him. Because what did he do after he was baptized? He went into the wilderness for 40 days. And he was tested. And what did the devil do? Tested him. And what did Jesus do? Threw the word back at him. He couldn't argue. Three times he tried it. Remember he said, jump off this cliff and pray that God's mighty angels will come and catch you. And Jesus turned around and says, the Bible, he pretty much said the word says, you, you should not tempt the Lord your God. He threw the word back at him. You throw the word back at the devil, he, can't, he doesn't argue. It's, you shut him down. 1 John 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we, have, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, so are we in the world. Remember John 16, 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. All things. So if there's anything you can take away from this is God intended us to be like Jesus in the world and he has given us the same authority. That's the truth. And that's where I'm going to end my message.